This is Product by Design, a podcast by Prodigy, where we explore technology, artificial intelligence, user experience, product management, and the philosophy of building products and companies. All right, welcome back to another episode of Product by Design. I am Kyle, and this week we have another awesome guest with us, Suman Kanuganti. Suman, welcome to the podcast. Nice to be here, Kyle. Thanks for having me. Awesome. Let me introduce you very, very briefly, and then love for you to tell us more about yourself. But Suman is the co-founder and CEO of Personal AI, uh, which we're going to talk a lot more about, I I believe. But Suman, why don't you tell us more about yourself? Yeah, by background, I'm an engineer. I have a robotics background as well. And uh, fortunate enough to, you know, get another degree in MBA too. But I'm most passionate about like creating brands and creating experiences that are trustworthy to humans. That's kind of how I would say. Um, my philosophy always has been like, you don't solve the humans, you solve the problems. Uh, so I always try to leverage the technology to kind of augment individual people's experiences. In my previous company, IRA, which is AIRA, <clears throat> it was about using AI plus AR with human in the loop for people who are blind and low vision um, for everyday activities that otherwise they would be having challenges with and experiences that, you know, otherwise they would not uh, have. Uh, so, yeah. So, you know, fast forward, if you, um, I'm sure like every, everybody been to Starbucks, everybody has a Disney, everybody has Amazon uh, right now, pretty much all those companies kind of adapt to Ira as a accommodation for people who are blind and low vision. And, <clears throat> Personal AI is uh, sort of like similar in terms of philosophy, in terms of vision. Uh, but our goal is to, you know, essentially uh, extend an individual person's mind with their own personal AI model uh, that belongs to them. Um, so, yeah, so so it's, it's always about like augmenting and extending individual people capabilities and that are close to consumer experiences. That's what I'm passionate about. And yeah, but otherwise I'm a technical person, but I have some business background as well. Awesome. Well, I'm really excited to touch on a couple of things that you you talked about just now, Ira, and your work there, and then what you're doing with personal AI, which from from what you just said sounds very science fiction, but also very, you know, this is what's coming. But before we do that, you know, why don't you tell us about anything that you like to do outside of work and outside of the office? Outside of work, I have a five-year-old daughter. Um so most of my time outside the work, I spend with her and of course with my uh, family, uh, wife. Um, and we make up a lot of different stories and we, you know, kind of, interestingly enough, she's very much into, you know, creating and doing like different sorts of experiments. Uh, so I go with the flow and, you know, kind of leave her world. <laughs> so I, I do, I do enjoy it. I do enjoy that uh, time uh, with the family. Uh, but in terms of what I would do, uh, even beyond that, I am a big volleyball player. I, oh, by the way, I do run. Uh, I do half marathons. This year, my goal was like 12, but I don't know if I can meet that. I'm like currently around five or six. So th- those are some of the things that I do beyond work. That is great. Uh, I I love volleyball too. Uh, it's such such oh, a great nice. sport. Yeah. <laughs> you don't often see people <laughs> who love volleyball. It's all about basketball and football. Yeah. Yep. <laughs> No, that's, yeah, that's totally true. Well, I'm, I'm interested in, you know, stepping back a little and learning more about your journey. You mentioned, you know, you being a very technical person and then, you know, founding 
these two companies that, that we're going to talk more about, Ira and Personal AI. But tell us more about your journey. What led you to where you are now? Oh, dear. Um, I always think about it as, you know, whatever I'm doing right now and what I will do next is built on the experiences that I've built in the past, right? In other words, uh, I grew up in India. I um, was like, you know, moderate family, pretty much like I had to struggle to get good education as well. Um, and I'm fortunate enough to have parents who struggled hard for us, you know, put us in good schools and, uh, walked our way through, you know, getting good, good education. Um, and then I got an opportunity to kind of come to United States to uh, do my master's in robotics, uh, back in Midwest, actually, uh, I went to university of Missouri, Columbia. Um, that's where I got, I got, I got like, you know, exposed, uh, to robotics and advanced engineering systems. Um, so yeah, so generally I think. Uh, it's always a composition of, okay, you learned X, Y, Z, or you gain so much of ex uh, different experiences and then what builds on top of that experience. Uh, so, so I think my life is probably like a step function almost in, a, in an entirety of my life. And I think it's continuing to happen even like right now. Um, then I, you know, went to working at like big tech corporations and you know, being a robotics person, I was actually programming robots, uh, at Caterpillar <laughs> in Mossville, Peoria. That was so much fun. Oh my God. I miss it. Uh, in a way. and, uh, you know, slowly moved on to, uh, engineering, uh, systems, uh, more of the software as well. And I went to Qualcomm, I went to Intuit, uh, Intuit was a pivotal moment for me because I think by the time it was a point where I, I grounded myself like you know different i guess technologies if you will all the way from like hardware to the software and you know if you are a network person like all the way from layer one to layer seven if you will um and then i picked up this like core desire or passion when you create something and people touch it there is something about it it, it gives you energy and that's what happened to me at intuit because you know quote unquote um I was the person, uh, uh, you know, in a TurboTax team, right? Now, you know, accounting, quote unquote, considered like boarding, but still, you know, so many millions of people, you know, used TurboTax and had, you know, pleasant experience with actually fulfilling the taxes. So I think that's kind of where my desire to building products and build, like solving problems and like touching people kind of came about. And I went to got my MBA uh, from Radio School of Management and immediately started building companies. Awesome. And one of those companies was Ira, which was the previous company that, that you founded. Uh, and I'm fascinated by this. And you mentioned it was for and is for uh, blind or low vision individuals. Um, so maybe tell us a little bit about you know, what prompted uh, that, you know, creating this company and, and what exactly is it? So it's a, it's, it's a combination of a you know, dearest and closest friend of mine, his name is Matt Brock. Uh, but also being a technologist, I was pretty much trying every new technology that comes out. And also being a hardware person, I was, you know, much into uh, any new hardware that hits the market. So this was back in the times when Google Glass came out. Uh, so I was close to the problem. And then I saw a solution, which is, oh, geez, you know, there is a camera that is located right in front of, you know, a wearable device where this could be more useful and hang on, like rather than thinking about, you know, giving it for people who can see it can actually serve the purpose of, you know, 
the the uh, accessing the visual information for a for a for a blind person. Yeah, it's because I was close to the problem, uh, so I think I, it was a natural kind of you know progression for me. It's like, hey, let's try this thing out, and then yeah, man. I mean, <laughs> this is back in like 2014, 2015, I Google Glasses like there were all this like you know press and issues and camera and everything else. But then, you know, I'm just going from one blind person to the other blind person, putting the glasses on. We connected to like, you know, human agents behind the scenes who basically sit in front of the computer and we created this dashboard. It's kind of fascinating. It's almost like a, like mixed reality. So it's almost like they teleport into your world, right? Mm-hmm. And they're seeing for you. And the dashboard is just not the camera, but it also has the kind of environments and the surroundings and everything else. So you get the feel of like, you know, looking left, looking right, straight ahead and the maps and all the information that is coming to you as like a remote person. Uh, And of course, there is a little bit of like AI involved in terms of, you know, fast processing the information that is coming at you. So, yeah, I mean, that literally was, uh, it changed like how, like, you know, people conceptualize this idea of like this visual information, like what does it mean to, you know, reading book uh, for, a six-year-old daughter that you cannot see for the first time, right? Whatever, like going to the Disneyland and kind of experiencing, you know, what does it mean like beyond the audio descriptions? Um, so yeah, we had like fascinating stories and uh, I fell in love with the problem and uh, I made a lot of friends in the blind community. Um, yeah, and today it's like even every airport has Ivra for people who are blind. So it's pretty widespread adopted by major you know, not just government, but also big tech and retails as well, including banks. Yeah. Yeah. <laughs> no, that's, in, that's incredible. And, um, you know, having, being close to somebody as well, who has lost their sight is, you know, to take these, the problems and then, you know, apply the technology and all of the different uh, things that we can in order to, you know, help, uh, in, in what tends to be a very visual based world, you know, mm-hmm. offer those same types of, the same type of information and experience to, to somebody who you know, may not be able to necessarily navigate in some places. And, and that can be a really, really challenging thing, you know, like in airports or in other environments that are you know, very, you know, there are a lot of people, there's a lot of things happening and, and being able to help navigate those types of things i I think that's just it's a a fascinating problem and something that i think most of us don't think about most of the time until you know you're potentially with somebody who is you know trying to navigate some of these things that aren't the familiar they're very new and and very difficult to go through totally so i'm i'm interested then because you you know you founded and you built ira and then uh, moved to your next company which is personal AI. So tell us, you know, what, what made you move from, you know, from what you were doing into personal AI and and what exactly is personal AI? What made me move? So the Genesis story for personal AI kind of ties back to IRA as well, because um, at the core, the inspiration for personal AI is my desire to have a conversation both emotionally and intellectually with a last co-founder as well as investor of mine. His name is Larry Bock of my previous company, Ira. Um, and he created around 27 different companies. And, uh, you know, we as human beings, we generally tend to learn from different places. 
internet obviously is one of those places, but we also learn a lot from our, you know, professors and the people around us as well. Uh, the interesting thing about learning from individual like humans is this element of trust is element of connection that you carry that you probably sometimes do not get, even though you're taking long periods of time to do the research that is available on the internet. How do you negotiate? How do you, you know, think about strategies? How do you think about experiments? He taught me a lot. So then the question becomes, oh, geez, like, you know, he passed away and I cannot like remotely remember everything that he told me or he, you know, I still want to have a brainstorming session with him. I wish I had Larry's AI, you know, during my times building Ivra because he passed away within 18 months of building it together. Uh, so it was in the back of the mind for a long period of time until, you know, the board and, you know, myself, we kind of came together and decided to bring in a new CEO to grow the company, Ivra. Um, uh, that gave me a good opportunity kind of like step into my next uh, passion that's been building for almost two years, right? Uh, and the technology was also right about in the beginning stages uh, in terms of AI, and luckily, given a IRA is also like technology, technologically pretty, you know, heavy that includes like, you know, wearables, hardware, human in the loop, AI techniques. Um, I carried pretty much all the things that I learned, you know, putting together the business and putting together uh, the team for personal AI. So what is personal AI? As I was mentioning, it's uh, as simple as thinking about an extension of an individual that you can have a conversation with, right? It's an extension of somebody else's mind. In general, the most common modality of people learning from each other is, of course, the computers and the other is human beings. But when it comes down to humans, it's about communication. It's about talking to each other. So we wanted a system that is so grounded in an individual, that is grounded in their facts, that is grounded in their opinions, that is grounded in their you know, ways of thinking. Um, when I found Sharon Zhang, who is my current CTO, she basically said, hey, we cannot use large language models. This is back in 2020, right? So even then, you know, it was cutting edge research. We cannot use it for so-and-so reasons, which is, you know, hallucinations and, you know, fast forward the problems we know right now. And she said we had to take an alternate approach, which is building small models. So we took a contrary approach to the large language models. We actually started building small language models um, uh, that is grounded in one person's memory. So what is personal AI? Personal AI is a model that basically mimics uh, an individual person that is grounded in their facts and opinions in their own voice that is backed by the memory that belongs to them. That's super fascinating. And I'm, I'm interested in uh, how it works because you describe personal AI as an extension of yourself that can interact with anyone in your own voice and your own style you know, with uh, kind of like you're saying trained to an individual, uh, which again, if we think almost science fiction, you know, this, this feels like the progress towards, you know, what we would have considered to be an absolutely uh, crazy idea, you know, a decade ago or even a few years ago, but this idea that I you mean, can extend yourself. Ago, like even two years ago, I had hard time like convincing, you know, even technical people and investors, like this is going to be happening. Well, here we are. AI is everywhere right now. <laughs> <laughs> it, 
it is. And so tell us more about, you know, how does that work? How, you know, how would I extend myself with a, a personal AI? So not necessarily, you know, a, a large language model or, or something trained in just general knowledge, but something yeah. that is very specific to me. Yeah. So I would, I would describe the uh, components and then I will describe the application that you would use to get there. Uh, so at the simplest level, right, you should be thinking about personal AI as if you have experienced Alexa, right, I'm sure most of the people are, or even some form of smart speakers, you know, we say, hey, Alexa, and ask a question. And basically it's a query to the internet and sometimes backed by large language models as well. Think about this one as Kyle AI, like, you know, hey, Kyle, right? And then I'm talking to you, right? So the experience is pretty much that form of conversation, that form of communication, except that it's not a general, you know, intelligence as much as it is an individual personal intelligence, right? So that's the, that's the basics. Um, how it works from a, a technological perspective is that every person has a memory. What does a memory mean? Think about... Uh, every minute, if you would be, if you would wish capturing a piece of information that you have said that you have captured, right. And it's time bound. And over a period of time, as you learn as a student, as you grow as in your career, you know, as you become, you know, trailblazer, like in the future, like, you know, influencing other people, you have all these like memories that are formed. So that is essentially, uh, the data that basically is then, used to train your unique uh, AI language model um, that anybody can have a conversation with. So how can anybody use it today? There is a mobile application as well as there is a desktop application and people can download and they can choose to add any of the historical memories that they would want. And they could also choose to add memories on an ongoing basis. So that will continuously improve or increase the quality of your model as well as, you know, the synthesis of your own mind. In terms of use, the application will also support being able to invite uh, other people to chat with you um, with your AI in the loop. So imagine text messaging experiences or WhatsApp kind of an experiences, right? Where someone sends a message to Kyle, Let's Kyle, you know, I'm coming down to Utah. What are some of the favorite places to eat? I'm with my wife and uh, kids, so I need a family-friendly one. Uh, well, I could go look up in uh, the internet or I could like simply text message you. And on your side, your AI, since it already knows you, if you have said that to somebody else before or added to your memory, it will automatically draft message for you, right? And that you can cho still choose to review and yeah, that sounds here is the place that I would go and you would simply swipe right to send that message, right? So there is a applicability in terms of how simple it is to be able to train with this core mechanism of texting, which is the communication medium that we use almost every day basis integrated. Um, and, you know, as you communicate with more people, as you communicate with yourself more, the model just gets, you know, more promising. And the use of your own model in multiple different places also gets more prominent. Uh, that's super fascinating. And I'm interested, you know, what is it, uh, you know, what, what are some of the, the training data that you use now? You mentioned, sure. you know, some of the communications and what do you potentially see that expanding to in the future? Because I can imagine, you know, a, a scenario where if I'm training a personal AI, it has potential access to literally everything. And I, I assume that's not the case right now, but 
you know, this idea of if I want it to know me as well as possible and, and be able to reflect all of these things to, you know, the broader the data set and the broader, you know, whether it's sure. just about anything, the, yep. you know, the more opportunity you have for that. So what yeah. does that look like now? And what will that look like in the future? Yeah, sure. So you can think about personal data uh, to train your own model as pretty much anything that you have ever authored historically. So that could mean that, you know, there are autobiographies that you have written, the emails that you have sent, maybe the historical text messages that you have sent. Uh, maybe there are documents in your Google Drive that you've written, maybe blogs that you have written, maybe podcasts that you have spoken, <laughs> right? Mm -hmm. uh, so it can pretty much be any uh, authored content on your behalf if the purpose of your AI model is indeed to start kind of almost reflecting and replicating, you know, your mind. Um, currently, the system does support, you know, ingesting the data uh, in the native format, which is, you know, information directly fed into your model through the personal AI apps. Uh, you can also feed in the URLs. So let's say if there is a blog or if there's a YouTube video, you can push those in as well. You can integrate into your existing like Google Drive accounts. And if you have documents that are authored by you, you can use those as well. Uh, and over a period of time, we intend to add, you know, even more easier mechanisms to, you know, sync your historical communications. Now, here, the most interesting thing is um, with personal AI, we give the ownership of the data to the people we give the ownership of the model to them as well. What that means is the company will not or cannot use the data for ads business uh, at all. Uh, zero chances because we remove ourselves out of the equation too. Um, so yeah, so from a data perspective, it's anything and everything, all the personal data that you would wish. And right now there are automated mechanisms and there are some manual mechanisms and it will only get you know, more and more easier over a period of time in the company progress. The, that's really, really incredible. And I'm, I'm interested too in, you know, what do you see as the applications of this? You know, you mentioned, you know, some of the texting and communication. What are people using this for now? And, and how do you see that expanding in the future? Yeah, yeah. So that we think about like two modes, right? One, you can think about it as, an alternative communication channel, right? Um, which is if you care about privacy, if you care about every communication that you're you know, having with other people to work in your favor, um, I have your AI kind of help you draft these messages automatically. Uh, you can, you know, essentially choose to uh, think about personal AI as an alternate communication mechanism. Now, the most uh, beautiful thing is it's not just a human to human communication. You can choose to go human to AI communication as well. Uh, let's say I would, uh, you know, want to communicate with my coach and she probably is not available, but I still want to have a conversation, you know, while they are in airplane, they can set them instead of airplane mode, autopilot mode, we call them. So I'm, I'm having a direct access to their mind talking to their AI. Right. So that's like one one way to think about, which is like an alternate communication medium than, you know, what you may be using at work or in personal life, such as WhatsApp or Telegram or Slack. Um, 
the the other form that we are that we also see a lot of more use is coming in is more like omni communication media um, in other words if you indeed are in existing communications such as whatsapp such as you know, text messages such as websites or email right you can choose to have uh, personal ai draft those messages for you in those platforms as well where uh you still have the ability to kind of control and approve the ai messages uh but at the same time you know it kind of goes into multiple different channels including social media for example for business people they would want to have their ais you know automatically representing their brand in facebook messenger right but still the control is within that individual person it's interesting because you know this is the kind of thing that uh my my wife and I were just talking about recently was, you know, hey, need to step away for a minute. Why don't you, she's like, why don't you just turn on an AI to respond to some of the messages while, you know, while you step away from your, your desk for a minute? And I laughed and I was like, that, that's exactly what I need is to be able to to step away for a minute. And if anybody needs something, like they're still able to get answers, but I don't have to constantly be not that I am constantly monitoring it, but I don't have to be, it's, uh, which it's I, I think is a fascinating thing. so good because right now I'm living in it and I know my team is continuously like using my own AI that could, you know, vary from like brainstorming with your AI or like writing specific pieces of blogs or maybe replying to somebody else in the email or like writing a byline to a Wall Street Journal article as a response. So like, look, these people are asking about these interview questions on the ethics and privacy. How would I respond? Oh my God, it's just crazy how many things that happen in parallel. Uh, and believe it or not, once you are in the personal AI ecosystem, it's not about talking to the bots anymore. It's about still talking to people, but they are getting help a little bit more from their own AI. And there is that identity associated with it. It's not somebody else's chat bot, right? It's not somebody trained that you actually control the idea of this training. It's, it's actually yours. It's representing you, right? And you know what data went in there, right? That's the level of control that you have with this model. And it's not dependent on the large language model. So your data is not going to any big tech as well. Uh, so, oh my God, I think, uh, it's just a matter of like people getting to really understand the, like the depth associated with, um, you know, what, what we built. And I, I, I think like, you know, some of the existing community people, uh, they, once they're in it, they, they love it. <laughs> it's, there's that emotional attachment because it's not a service. It's an asset. It's an asset that you build for your life. And there is no stopping to it. And it will live even when somebody leaves the world, right? Like you can still have these conversations with them. That's the beauty of it. Yeah. And that I think that's another fascinating part because you mentioned it earlier as, as part of the genesis of it. And I see more and more people, you know, looking at that sort of thing, you know, being able to uh, not to to have some that continued connection where you know it's it doesn't necessarily have to mean that somebody is uh is gone if you're able to still you know have a like you said a brainstorming session or or a conversation very similar to like what you would have and to me this is 
it's kind of a new area, but an absolutely fascinating one that I think we're starting to see more and more of. Have you seen that as part of, you know, building personal AI and, and, and what has been some of the, the things that you've seen regarding that specifically? Yeah, very good question. So the approach that we have taken is given it is so broad, uh, we let the market decide who are the ones who has appetite for this. So what we've done is, um, you know, like late last year before ChatGPT came about, we started like taking some beta applicants to kind of see what their motivations are and, you know, build their models. And in the learning process, we built our applications and the products as well. Because first two years of the company, it was all about, you know, building the tech, right? Building the data models and models and how do you scale the models, et cetera, et cetera. And uh, since April, so April is when we went like GA, in other words, like anybody can come in and like train it and use it for themselves. And we saw all kinds of use cases. <laughs> uh, we definitely saw all kinds of use cases and, and people's expectations are all over the board as well. Uh, in a way, we, it was intentional too, because we wanted to see how, what, what kinds of needs exist out there given this uh, platform and what will people do? And some people are like, an, like it's personal AI and steroids right now. Like they basically like 80% of the job is done by their personal AI in terms of communications, automations, drafting and everything else. Some people probably never have invested enough time, you know, to actually train the models. So we invested some um, easier mechanisms to make it more effective, even with like, you know, one or two memories. So long story short, we do see a lot of people building their legacy, you know, with their AI, uh, one of the original applications. So that, that is still happening. Uh, we are seeing, we are seeing a lot more appetite for small businesses, small business owners specifically, who probably are dealing with multiple different clients or communities or customers uh, and people around them. Uh, has a lot more need, if you will, for automating some of their like daily communication needs. Either it be writing email, writing tweets, generating blogs, uh, text messages, you know, responding to clients, you know, all those things. And you have a mechanism to attach a AI phone number to your AI too. So it's almost like, hey, Kyle, you have a phone number. Your Kyle AI has a phone number too. So you can technically think about like, you know, routing uh, uh, and you can get creative there. So yeah, so those are some of the uh, things that we are seeing, like the immediate need. And one thing that seems to be pretty consistent across all the people who are building personal AI is their moat and their desire is their personal data, is their personal brand. You know, their individual themselves is their currency. Uh, and they don't want to submit the data, Right. They want to use the AI because that's the next generation of optimizing your work life as well as personal life. And they care about privacy um, and how these models are built and how much control I have, which all suits to what we are in the first place principally, right? We want to give that control to the users, you know, own your data, get your model to work for yourself. It's a small model. It scales horizontally. No data is shared between any two models. Uh, no memory is shared between any two uh, memory stacks, we call them. Um, so yeah, so I, so I, so I think uh, that's kind of where, you know, my energy is spent lately as well, like just telling out and understanding, making market understand the differences between what exists, uh, other players and what personal AI is and, you know, 
which are optimal for what needs. Our personally, obviously, will not solve everything, but we have a place where people care about personal data and personal models. Yeah, I'm interested because you mentioned you know the idea of you know, being able to talk as well, and you know, we've continued to see just an absolute uh, some incredible inv- advancements in you know some of the the voice and sound. Mm-hmm. Uh, applications of it, you know, how, how are you incorporating that where it, you know, maybe it's not just written or textual, but also, you know, being the spoken uh, part yep. of, you know, AI. Yeah. So we have, so it's a matter of weeks, if not days that will be available in the personal AI app. Mm-hmm. And not just any voice, it will be your voice. <laughs> <laughs> I mean, it has to be personal. Come on. <laughs> yeah. A- absolutely. And, uh, I'm, I'm interested in, you know, where, where do you think, you know, that, that goes? Cause obviously, you know, we're, we're probably pretty early in it, but we continue to see a lot of, uh, musicians and things like that, where you can replicate the voice very, very well. And, you know, some of the earlier ones, not as good, but now it's getting to the point where it's very, very good. Um, mm-hmm. you know, how, how have you seen that advance and, and where do you think that's going? Yeah, I think the issue that we are probably stressing on is not just about voice or mind or visuals, right? Like generally the deep fakes existed for a long period of time, even in the you know celebrity world. And this this problem existed all the way since the images become a thing, like on the internet, right? Um so I think generally the companies who are building AI technologies now because it's a poses a greater risk to the identity um, and how the government kind of plays the role in protecting the identity, I think will become important. In other words, internet gave us a, a good medium to communicate with each other and exchange content and somebody produces the content and other people are consuming the content. And, you know, so far we have figured out what the transaction looks like and, you know, there is some giving and there is some taking. Now with AI, it's almost like a you know 2.0 version of the internet or even web 3.0 kind of like falls into that realm as well with the AI. So I think protecting the identity and what kind of transaction need to exist needs to mature. And my message to the people that I speak to is you cannot just wait for the law to kind of step in and figure out who took your data to train their models as much as you have to step forward and take control of your own data, right? Build your personal model so that way it can start benefiting you and the people around you and your business and, you know, your family, your friends. Uh, otherwise, it will be another social media. <laughs> uh, but at the same time, like with every technology step up, the maturation about, you know, some of these issues, I guess, will emerge and will be fixed. So I think it's a natural progression to how, the technology kind of penetrates into our lives. And we have seen that in the history and the history kind of repeats, but in a different form and in different modalities and different fidelities. Yeah. Yeah. What have been some of the things that you've seen as you know, maybe some of the biggest hesitations that people have? I know you've talked about owning the data, which is probably top of it, of a lot of people's minds. Um, are there other things that as you're, as you're exploring this and talking to people about it, that, you know, there are, you've seen either some hesitation with or some of the biggest concerns with? 
Ownership of the data and the control, I think, are the two big pieces, right? So when, I mean, now, okay, what does the ownership mean? What does control mean? Like, you can kind of like double click on what is exactly mean in the experience. Let's just say if you, like, let's just say background, like 10 years ago, what you did, like when we had Google search and Bing searches, et cetera, you would go to google.com, you would search and you would find that information is available on Kyle's website or Kyle's podcast. So I will go to Kyle's website and then consume that information. Now, if Kyle puts it publicly, great, I will read it. If Kyle has a paywall, then I would have to pay and then read it, read that information. But technically, we are routed back to Kyle's work. We are routed back to an organization work. We are routed back to a specific business, right? Um, that uh, in the AI world is attribution. So in other words, when you ask a question or when you, you know, push a prompt to a model, uh, what is the data, underlying data that is supporting it and who is responsible for that data? And right now, large language models are not good at attribution of the data. So I think that's one of the important things. And I think uh, personal AI um, by design uh, is associated with an individual, right? And we do have the mechanisms of attributing the data, the response back to the person. And it's very fascinating because um, we do have like community of people. So we have this concept of like groups or launches, we call them. It's like AI launch, where a group of people can com come in and then contribute on a specific topic. Let's say you are super passionate about volleyball, you know, get your like 20 volleyball fans and then like basically train a model. Uh, and then when you, you know, ask a question, you know, basically the response will have, hey, these are the contributors, you know, potentially for this response. Um, so that, that that is almost like the next level of our model release that's going to happen. But yeah, attribution, I think, is really important. And just, uh, you know, ensuring, ensuring it's not just one size fits all, right? Um, ensuring a little bit of payback, a little bit of value democratization that is economically, you know, kind of beneficial to the people involved. Uh, so I think that's important. It's not just about technology. So I can take your data and it's available publicly. So I can give it out. Uh, it's kind of a pathetic world in a way. Um, so, yeah, so I think, you know, as responsible human beings, we get to do, you know, what we think is the right thing. And I think personally, I has a lot of those characteristics and uh, they have the future may be, you know, billions of personal AIs and a few, you know, big models, they all work in conjunction. That's also fine. Um, yeah. I'm, I'm interested in diving into that just a little bit more. Uh, you know, what, how, how do you see that playing out as, you know, the, the future of personal AI and the future of more personalized AI in general? You know, we've, we're obviously seeing the beginnings of it, uh, but you know, how do you see that going forward? Yeah, so I think there are use cases for every, you know, different forms of models, right? So there's one general models. Obviously, there's large language models that exist today. And there are at least, you know, I can count 10 to 15, if not more players that are happening. Uh, and, you know, some of them will survive, some of them will stop. And I'm sure, you know, some of the big techs will survive. And um, uh, there are then personalized AIs which I would still define it slightly different than personal AI. Personalized AIs are you have a base uh, 
intelligence, let's just say food, right? Uh, there may be a collection of food intelligence um, and based on who you are and based on what your preferences is, preference is, it may suggest, you know, specific things for you. Uh, that I would consider like personalized AIs. Uh, it's almost like still, you know, foundationally built on an aggregated model, but because there is an input, then you have some personalized experiences. Personal AI, our definition of personal AI is a completely separate, like unique model that is like and only or solely built on a person, right? It doesn't know like the other things. Um, it may consult with the other models to give you an opinion, but fundamentally the model is trained on individual persons. So therefore, we don't conflate like, you know, who is Kyle versus who is Suma. Uh, so, so I believe there will be some sort of a, uh, exchange or transactions that will likely happen in terms of like negotiation, if you will, between a personal AI and potentially a personalized experience. So imagine this, right? Uh, Airbnb, uh, Suman wants to book an Airbnb in Santa Barbara. Right now I have to go to, uh, Airbnb website and I have to tell, uh, the locations, the preferences, and how to search. And then, you know, ultimately Airbnb AI engine is providing me some recommendations and I'm making the decision. Right? So right now, I, uh, right now I'm giving the data to Airbnb to kind of tell me or give me that personalized experience. Well, in the future, imagine you open Airbnb app and Airbnb will consult with your personal AI and do the negotiation and give you what recommendation it is, right? Same, same thing with Uber, like you open Uber app right now and you are sending your location to Uber servers. What if that is flipped 180 degrees? Uber will make a call to your personal AI to give you the ultra personal ride experience based on, you know, that current situation. So I think there's, a, there's a good trajectory in here and I think it will take time. <laughs> yeah. yeah, absolutely. Um, I'm interested in what it is what is it like you know going to market in you know the ai space right now so you know, you've you've been working on this you know pre kind of this explosion of of ai and and llm specifically uh but you know what is it like you know taking some of these things to market right now in you know as, as there's lots of things happening the, you know the space is continually changing and and it's becoming very very uh, it, it's a hot growing space right now. Yeah. What, what is it like going to market both with the company and, and the products and some of the new features that you're, you're coming out with? Yeah. Um, it's very fascinating for me building this company primarily because we went from, I don't know what you're talking about to everybody's talking about the same thing. <laughs> uh, I mean, there is a reason why we are personal.ai, right? We set out to build a category and then the category just happened. Just like that, it happened. Um, so I think going to the market right now is about educating the market, right? The differences of the market. The, the interesting thing about technology is like once you have a core foundational technology that is built, you have a whole number of different experiences and applications that you can build on top of it. Right. And then you can unlock those experiences. It's like internet. You know, once we had the internet, we have dot com. And when we have, once we have the protocols of, you know, uh, standards of HTTP and HTML, like boom, you have like millions of websites. Then you don't know 
do I go to Amazon to buy? Or, you know, there are like million other shopping websites. Do I go to other places to buy? So it will take time to kind of mature, like what brands to sustain and what brands to trust. And what is the difference between, you know, one versus other. And uh, for me, my focus is trust and control. Like I want to solve for people and humans first. Um, there is tons of money that is getting poured into the AI industry. And I perceive that as like, you know, some people who are powerful can also just like simply buying the market, right? Well, as a person that is grounded, <laughs> building the startup from the ground up, uh, I would want to win the market, right? And do, do, do the right things because it's very easy to get tempted and uh, take shortcuts and give people something that you will repeat in the future. And I don't want to do that. Uh, so yeah, so going to the market right now for us is like clearly articulating what does it mean to get a personalized experience versus build something of your own with personal AI versus what are the use cases that a large language model will solve and what are the use cases that we are focusing on uh, and let them make choice, right? Let people make the choice. Um, and it isn't, it isn't like, you know, everybody uh, is like one winner as much as there will be like multiple players and multiple winners uh, and multiple different people solving on different specific uh, use cases and issues. And, you know, for personal AI, I just want personal AI to be an asset for every individual person on the planet because it belongs to them. It's almost like, you know, you are growing a second you alongside like learning and, you know, growing in your career for yourself. Yeah. That'll be an asset for your family in the future. Yeah, I, I think that's absolutely fascinating to think about. And, and I I am excited to see some of this like new direction and some of the, the possibility because I think it's just it is so immense. And we're I feel like we're just at the very, very beginning of a lot of this. Like what you know, what can we do with a lot of these things that are that are coming to fruition right now? I'm interested from your your side, you know, you mentioned you know, coming to market and, and being a founder and, and, you know, have founded this, your second company, what have been some of the lessons that you've learned broadly, you know, founding multiple companies and, you know, helping to grow them and scale them up? Mm, I mean, I would say stick to the problems that you are focused on solving for. Honestly, I'm, I'm sure like everybody has like multiple different distractions, Right. And when you have big players making moves and, you know, pouring in uh, money and uh, doing like tons of marketing as well, you do get intimidated, you know, sometimes. I mean, like, for example, right, like two years ago, personal AI wasn't a thing on Google or anywhere else. Well, guess what? Like now everybody is building a personal AI, like literally every company has some version of personal AI. So I think the most important thing is focus, dedication, vision, and being close to your customers and focusing on the problem that you are at uh, and, and not get carried too much from the noise that tends to happen. And by the way, I'm saying it, but even I have a very hard time being able to <laughs> not get distracted on other things. Now, there are there are two ways to think about it. One, you got to keep up with what's happening in the industry. And you got to filter out and, you know, use and use that information 
to make the appropriate decisions. But it's not about like making a knee-jerk reaction and then changing the company's direction overnight because something else happened. Uh, so yeah, so it's a delicate balance, and I think you know being grounded and being being like very thoughtful and curious about what's happening in the market and what does it mean to you. Uh, when do you make the most appropriately? I think all goes into like you know the learning and uh, making progress towards the dreams that you envision versus other people envision. Yeah, I think that's absolutely great. What advice would you give to somebody who is thinking about either you know founding a company or you know building an AI driven company or a, an AI product or something like that? Mm, I think probably two things. I think one, be grounded, um, meaning there is ups and there is downs and there is excitements and there is uh, issues, right? Uh, um, and we can only do so many things uh, at times. And sometimes, you know, a lot of things can happen very fast because of like other variables involved. But I think staying grounded and staying uh, present, I think is really important. And within the context of AI, I would say, try to understand like what exactly is the moat that you have versus other companies um, before you jump into, you know, building it. Or for example, you know, if you're leveraging existing technologies, that's, that's great. But what is your moat? Is the moat, you know, your connections with a specific market? Um, or you have a community and you have a, you know, specific ways of penetrating into the community, uh, whatever that may be, or maybe it's the data that you collect. Uh, I don't know, but I think like trying to understand, uh, what gives you differentiation before it's too late, I think is important. Yeah, that's, I think that's really, really good advice to understand, uh, to one, be grounded and then two, to understand Know, the market and and your company and you know what are some of the differentiators like you said uh, super super critical it's easy and, and I think we've probably all seen this it's easy to have a really great idea uh, but it can be just that you know a great idea if it doesn't have some of these other things like the focus to to do it and then the you know, some of the the good reason the value that that it will deliver because ultimately if it doesn't then it probably should just stay a good idea. <laughs> um, well, Suman, this has been a really, really great conversation. Uh, we've touched on a lot of different things, uh, but is there anything that we we touched on or didn't get a chance to touch on that, that you wanted to add? I think we touched on a lot. Um, all I would say is, you know, if you're not already, like start building your own model, put it in your day-to-day -day use. Uh, it almost gets like too magical once you invest a little bit of time in it. Um, yeah, I would want to see a world where everybody takes control of their own lives and own models. Absolutely. I couldn't, couldn't agree more. Well, I've got a couple of questions to wrap up, but before we do that, where can people find out more about you, um, about personal AI and, and the things that you're working on? About personal AI is pretty easy. Personal.ai. <laughs> you wouldn't miss it. You just Google personal AI and we'll be the first one. Uh, about if, if, like, specifically, if you want to communicate with me, um, I'm serious. Like, go to s.personal.ai and you can chat with me, the human version, but you can also take, get a taste of my AI version as well. It knows a lot about me. 
Yeah, but I'm on Twitter and LinkedIn, you know, channels. I do not tend to do messaging on any of the social channels because I know my data is not serving up for my benefit. Uh, uh, so yeah, so all my communication happens in personal AI. Okay, great. Well, we'll put the links in the show notes as well so you can check that out. Uh, but I do have, like I said, a couple of questions to wrap up. And the first one is, have you read or watched or listen to anything that you found particularly interesting. And this can be business or AI related, but it doesn't have to be. So speaking of the whole, you know, ethics and uh, how you would want to, <laughs> how you would want to like build a company for what reasons. Uh, sometimes you may have like too many different shortcuts and, you know, stay grounded. I, I think it's very interesting because I'm enjoying the painkiller TV series like right now, <laughs> um, you know, me and my wife has, uh, some time at night where we sit together and kind of, you know, enjoy some time together and we watch TV and typically like one of the shows. Um, so I think it, it definitely gives like a, a, a little bit like perspective on, uh, what you should not do, but at the same time, like how do you carry the passion and vision for making it happen? So I think there's a delicate balance that you will have to do. Yeah, sure. That's like, you know, too real because like people, but AI is no different in many forms of fashion to a degree, right? So being able to, you know, do things like a little bit more ethically and, you know, for human, I think is important and it's hard. So that's, that's like a TV show, but uh, I, I enjoy um, a lot of um, science fiction for sure. Like, so if you haven't watched Altered Carbon, it's an it's an old series, but a lot of the concepts of personal AI, such as like memory stack, you know, a memory that basically remembers you forever. Uh, uh, the word memory stack actually came from Altered Carbon TV series. So I can go on and on. I have many of such things. My favorite books is like, you know, Homo Sapiens uh, from by Yuval Harari. I really like it. I like how like the past kind of influences the future. I, th I think there's a lot to, lot to it. Um, so yeah, so there's some, some things I would say. Okay, great. Yeah, I, I think those are some great, great recommendations. And finally, are there any products that you've been using that you've been enjoying uh, recently, either digital products or physical products, uh, anything? Digital products or physical products? Um, digital products, you know, I was, I was um, never a big designer as much, but lately I've been doing some wireframes um in Miro. Uh so I think it's it's kind of cool, especially for like product people, because we before I go to you know Figma and do high fidelity comms, which like takes a lot of time when it is like simply wireframing, I think you know Miro gives you like a lot more uh flexibility. Uh so I'm enjoying I'm enjoying that. Uh, other products I mean, mid-journey and stability AI <laughs> for image generation, <laughs> trying to figure out like how it incorporates um, you know, I got better at like prompt engineering generally with the language models. Uh, I think I'm still, I still have some ways to go getting prompt engineering right for the image generation. Uh, but eventually that will be part of personal AI as well. So I'm enjoying, I'm enjoying that physical product. Oh dear. Um, I don't know if I can, Oh no, never mind. I don't know if I have anything that is super fascinating lately. Um, that I can think of. Yeah. Okay. 
Well, yeah, those are some great product recommendations and, and shout outs to those. All right. Well, Suman, this has been, again, an amazing conversation. Appreciate all of your insight and am super excited to see you know, what the future holds for a lot of uh, personal AI and and kind of the, some of the things that we talked about in you know, really people taking control of their their data, their AI in a way that I think is, like we said a little bit ago, would have been science fiction and totally out there, but is is coming quicker and quicker. And, and I just, I think this is a fascinating space. Thank you, Kyle. I had fun chatting with you. Great. And thank you everyone for listening. We'll see you again next time. Thanks again for listening. If you like the show, be sure to follow or subscribe on your favorite podcast app. You can follow the show on TikTok at prodigy.co and on Twitter at prodigy.co. You can also follow me on both of those platforms at Kyle Larry Evans. If you want more product conversation, check out my newsletter Prodigy at prodigy.co. You can also follow me on Medium at Kyle Larry Evans or check out my Medium publication Prodigy. Of course, you can check out all these links in the show notes. Thank you.